0: It is so good to be back here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin, and I just want to say up front how thankful I am uh, for the man who stood in this pulpit during the time that I was gone and fed us healthy, biblical meals as we know that they would just caught up yesterday with all the ministry that's been done, and I was just... So, so encouraged um, to be built up by other uh, brothers in the word of God. Um, I could just go on and on about how special that is for a church of our size to have people, men from within our ranks, stand up and faithfully preach in a way that blesses us all. So thankful for that. Brothers, thank you for that. Uh, And um, with that, I just want to now go before the Lord in prayer uh, for God's help as we open up the word together this morning. Father, we're all so thankful to be here together. We're thankful, Lord, for this church, the ministry that goes on here week in and week out. Lord, I'm thankful and privileged to be here in the pulpit. once again, thankful to see from your word comforting truths, helpful truths that minister to each of our hearts. Lord, we ask you now, Lord, that you would please, that you would use the preaching of the word today to do good work in all of us. That you would use it to comfort us. You'd use it to encourage us in the faith. You'd use it to build up our Faith, Lord, and you'd use it to create faith in maybe hearts that don't yet trust your son. We're dependent upon you for all these things. We're desperate for you to answer these prayers. Lord, hear our prayer. Care for us, bless us today. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanna just thank you on behalf of Stacy and the family for the prayers that you offered uh, for us uh, as we traveled across the country to, of course, visit my ailing uh, father-in-law who, as you all know, sadly ended up passing away shortly after we got there to visit him in California. I'm just so thankful that we made it in time just days before he passed away. Thankful for the memories of being around that hospital bed and even the, the miracle of the Hospital staff being gracious enough to allow all the kids and grandkids in that room uh, together. As we know, um, those types of uh, restrictions post-COVID don't allow that kind of thing. But for us to be able to sing hymns together, to pray, to visit with him, uh, to, I think, encourage him during that really hard time, and then also uh, just create a special moment for us, was just such an answer and provision of God to us. Little did we know that that days later he would pass away. And as you can imagine, it's been a gut-wrenching experience to see my wife go through the loss of her dad. As losing a parent, for us, is uncharted territory up to this point in our marriage. And then to see my mother-in-law and sister-in-law Suffering is just heartbreaking. And add to that, my children and the nieces and nephew all hurting through this process. It just just made this season, it's made this season really hard to go through and to process. There's nothing like holding your wife's hand while her dad passes away. And those of you who have gone through something like that, know that nothing prepares you for a moment like that. Can't get ready for that kind of thing. just happens. It's tough. And looking at the little concerned faces and the urgent family meeting as all of the kids, the grandkids got together later that day after he passed away, looking at their concerned faces because they almost maybe knew, especially the older ones, what was coming and having to tell my six children and three nieces and nephews that grandpa had unexpectedly passed away. This is just all really hard and not easy To go through. But with the sadness and difficulty of family loss has come with it, praise God, comfort and care and help from his word. And though I wasn't intending to preach this week initially because we got in late into the week after three days of travel. Uh, We had somebody else scheduled to preach this morning, but I just felt led to share with you some gleanings while it's fresh this Sunday morning about the way that the Lord has been comforting and helping me and my family through this difficult time. And I want to do that by passing along a few lessons that we've learned in God's demonstration of himself to us. And I hope it could be helpful for all of us this morning. And as you can see from the title in the sermon is, titled Vapor Lessons, because why? Life is short, as James 4.14 says. It says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And death has a way of reminding us of this vapor reality of life, doesn't it? And with the recent death of a member of our church and also the deaths of loved ones of church members, I'm hoping and I think that these vapor lessons might be helpful for all of us. So vapor lesson number one, God cares for broken hearts. I want to encourage all of us up front here with the passage of Scripture that I shared with the grandchildren just hours after my father-in-law Mike's death as we gathered there in the living room of my sister-in-law's home. I want to share with you the passage I read to them. I read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to focus in on Psalm 34 and verse 18. And it says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in Spirit. Now, as I mentioned, holding my wife's hand as her dad passed away, I can tell you there were a lot of broken hearts around that hospital bed as me and my wife and sister-in-law and mother-in-law circled that bed to say our goodbyes. And then, of course, there were some extremely tender little broken hearts in that living room that day that I shared that grandpa had passed away And that sad news, you could just see it in their eyes and the tears and the hearts. Broken little hearts that day. There may be, even in this room, broken hearts for a variety of reasons. You know where you're at. You know where your heart is at. Maybe you too are experiencing a heart that is hurting. But here's the good news, church. Rather, the really great news that God is right now near to all of us in our sadness. Each broken heart and each crushed spirit can be confident that God shows up in hard times like that. This is what he does. He's the ultimate comforter in those times. Be comforted by God in hard seasons and hard times. One unique way, recently experienced freshly that God cares for broken hearts, is through the loved ones and support of fellow believers and family who love each other through hard times. And on that note, that leads us to vapor lesson number two. Grieving is better together. Now, I realize it's just human nature to just push away from hard feelings like sadness. We don't like feeling sad. But I want to remind everyone what we saw in our Downcast series. And, and on that note, this is this sermon is almost like a footnote to that series uh, dealing with downcast experiences of depression and anxiety and despair. We looked at aspects of inner turmoil. And even in, in terms of external things that may happen, including maybe the the death of a loved one, that life can be hard, we can go through different difficult things. But I want to remind you what I reminded you then, and that is that God intends us to be sad at sad things. It's a really weird response if we were just happy at sad things all the time. Not, not that we can't be joyful even through hard sufferings and things of that nature, but in a fallen world, things are hard and so as we saw in that series in Romans 12, verse 15, it says what? Weep with those who weep or, or, or mourn with those who mourn. You see, the passing away of a believer, it is not only sad or merely sad, but it's certainly not less than sad for those of us who are left behind because, let's just face it, it's hard Life can be hard. Loss is hard. It makes us weep. It's not easy. It's not just some easy thing. It's sad when we lose those we love. We were sad and are sad that we lost my father-in-law and a grandpa and a dad and Mike. It's sad that we lost Shirley Roach. Leaves a hole in our church, doesn't it? And that Linda unexpectedly recently lost her brother and Ashley lost her brother. These are sad things. We wish we had more time with loved ones that we lose here, this side of heaven. We wish that we could experience more memories and activities and be uh, face-to-face together. But because of death, it causes sadness On that note, I had the privilege of as preaching and leading my father's father-in-law's memorial last weekend. And I went through multiple Bibles that he had notes in. So neat just to see. Oh, he had tons of notes. What a legacy to pass on. And it was I, I turned to the place that he had bookmarked in one of his Bibles right there. So I don't know when he took this note. I'm guessing it was recent. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer just two months ago. And because the note was there, I think it was recent. And he had a note reading Psalm 119 in verse 71. And this is the passage that he wrote the note by. It says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And he wrote right next to that verse, I need to keep this perspective when... Life sucks. And being diagnosed with cancer and struggling and things of that nature, that was a tough season for my father-in-law. And, and we, we could admit that life could be hard. We don't have to deny that. We don't have to ignore that. And, and, and that's the reality for all of us. So I want to encourage us and let us know that it's okay to be sad during times of loss, not press away from that. Jesus himself even wept over the loss of friends. And he did that in the presence of others. And so should we. It's better to grieve together than alone. We're not alone in this problem of death, that the vapor of our lives, reminds us of regularly. So as you weep and they weep or mourn and grieve, remember, you're you're there for each other. We need to be there for each other. And even more importantly, that God is near to all of us, and he heals the crushed in spirit. He's here with us, and he has the ability to not only cure and help and, and mend the collective broken hearts that may be in this room, but all over the world. So go to him and grieve together. This is something that I've been learning and hopefully that could be helpful to you in the future. This leads us to vapor lesson number three. God is our good refuge. During the final week of my father-in-law's life, I had the privilege of reading scripture and praying with Mike, both over the phone and then in person on numerous occasions. And I want to comfort you now with what comforted Mike and the whole family during the final week of his life. Two such passages from the Psalms that I read with him were Psalm 46 and Psalm 34. I'm just going to read you portions of each. Psalm 46 in verse one says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And Psalm 34, eight says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Remember reading these passages with the family during a really, really hard time And even as I just reread them now and think back about reading them to Mike and the family and praying through these passages about the refuge that God is in uncertain times, and it was certainly uncertain times for our family and for Mike. And even as I just reread them, I can almost hear Mike say amen to those verses, because that's exactly what he did over the phone and in person as we were comforted in a hard time of the refuge of God. It just ministered to his soul. It ministered to my mother-in-law and sister-in-law and, and wife. And these realities of God being good and him being a refuge is something that we need to have close by in hard times. And I, I could just pass this along, as you could imagine, my father-in-law was very, very weak physically during the last part of his earthly life. Maybe some of us feel weak today, but God is strong, and God is our refuge. And Do you realize that just weeks ago, even in the face of his own death, even in immense physical trials that my father-in-law went through. He was comforted by the refuge of God, the refuge that God provided him in all that uncertainty. And I want us to be comforted now as well by whatever we may be going through. We need to seek God's refuge and strength. And then My prayer is for all of us to be able to see God as that strength for us, not only in hard times, but in all times. Even as we go to seek to comfort others, be comforted by God because he is our refuge. Vapor lesson number four. Remember, church, life is short. I think the title of our sermon makes that much clear. Life is but a vapor or a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. Or we can add to that vapor lesson a look at Psalm 39 in verse 4 and 5. It says, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you, surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. There's another word that we can add to vapor. Fleeting. Life is not only a mist or a vapor, but it's fleeting, or lasting only for a short time. And David, you see, who penned that psalm, knew that reality, and he did not suppress that reality, or tried to ignore it, he leaned into the reality that we all share to be brought into perspective in light of it. He was honest about that reality, and he let it shape his thinking. You might be thinking here, why would we want to think about something as morbid as death? Doesn't the reality of this universal experience of all mankind, doesn't it just lead everybody to sadness and depression and like lack of motivation? <laughs> Why are you pointing that out, Pastor? This is very discouraging. This isn't something positive for us to think about and to glean from, you might be thinking. Well, thinking about the inevitable reality of the vapor of life For the Christian actually frames our perspective and helps us to be wise in the short time that we have on this earth. I read a very insightful book a couple years ago by David Gibson titled Living Life Backwards. The subtitle of the book was How Ecclesiastes Teaches Us to Live in Light of the end. You see, this reality of the vapor or fleeting nature of life gives us wisdom and insight to live today like it matters because it does. Or consider Psalm 90. We have a set limited amount of time. We have a set number of our days. We need to live in light of that to live like it counts, Psalm 90 in verse 10 says this, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. And then in verse 12 it says, So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Are you numbering your days? Do you live day by day with one eye on the fact that life is short and that there are certain things that we should be doing and prioritizing in the little time that we have on this earth, and there are other things that we should be turning away from? The unbeliever says eat. Drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But the Christian, you see, should look at the vapor reality of his or her life and seek to live his fleeting life for what actually counts, the glory and honor and worship of God. And all that you're doing Ask this question of yourself. Does it glorify God? Just survey your last week or your day, the morning, last month, year, decade. Does it glorify God? Does that comment glorify God? Does that place you went glorify God? Does that thought you had, does it glorify God? Does the work that you do in your vocation, does it glorify God? Does what we're doing here at this local church glorify God? If we can say yes to that, we need to lean into those things and live lives that matter for the glory of God. If we can't say yes to that, we need to turn away from those things that are not glorifying God. We need to repent for those things that that are bringing shame to God and turn and go the other way. Remember, life is way too short to waste it. Vapor lesson number five. Church, I want you to know your destination. The reality of a short life can lead some to a kind of hand-wringing anxiety about when and how we might die. But I want to encourage you, believer, that we not only know where we are going in terms of our destination, which I'm going to remind us of in this point, we can also Be confident that God has planned our every day and even our every waking hour of life on this earth and that our deaths are not some blind luck chance game, but are within the sovereignty of God. I want to encourage us that we are all immortal until our time that God has planned for us to Depart. We can see this truth in many places throughout the scriptures, but since Psalm 139 is so fresh uh, upon our minds due to a recent series in the Sanctity of Life, if you remember that, just, just recently, we can see it right there in Psalm 139 in verse 16. This is what it says. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, and yet there were none of them. This means, church, that even in the womb, where we were fully created and formed image bearers of God, we were also known and fully in the Lord's plan and in the Lord's hands. Every single day of our lives known and planned by our heavenly Father, even before they happened. We can be confident that God knows and plans our life so we don't have to be afraid of the brevity and vapor-like nature of life. The fleeting lives we live can be lived with confidence and hope. If we just know our God and our destination, knowing that we will see our loved ones again, if they are believers. As all believers we know from scriptures are children of God who were adopted into his family, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as their only hope in life and death. Because you see, the death of a believer is sad like it is for everyone who passes away. As the Bible reveals that Death is tied all the way back to the consequences of the Garden of Eden, that faithful day. But you see, the death of a believer is unique because Christians have an immediate transfer from life on this earth and their death on, transferred on into the presence of God. And no matter how lovely life is here on this earth, it does not come close to the even better experience of life before our great God. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.8, he says, We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And Christians, though we grieve the loss of believing friends and family, Those of us who are believers don't grieve as those without hope, do we? We don't. We don't. As 1 Thessalonians 4 and verses 13 through 14 says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, you realize what this means for us? It means that we can be assured that every believer we know who has died is right now not only no longer experiencing any pain, which is a good thing for us to think about, but they're experiencing eternal joy and happiness like no other. My father-in-law is in the presence of the Lord. That brings perspective. Knowing our destination gives us a vision about life, all revealed in God's word. You see, believers who've gone to be with the Lord, they're not sad. Because every tear of theirs is wiped away. There's no longer any suffering in a fallen world. But now they're in the presence of their creator and triune God, in the presence of the resurrected Jesus himself. And it doesn't get any better than that, does it? Not pie in the sky by and by, but actual paradise for the believer, actual face-to-face fellowship with God. This leads us to vapor lesson number six. Live today in light of your future resurrection. Because Jesus died, was buried and rose three days later with a resurrected body? Any other believer here in this room can take it to the bank with confidence that they one day also will have a resurrected, glorified body that far surpasses our earthly, bodily experience before our death. The Bible reveals that we are but dust, wasting away. Aches and pains and difficulties, those types of things will be no more after the resurrection. So just to be clear here, when a believer dies, they are in the presence of the Lord and spirit or soul right away. Praise God. And then they await a future resurrection that every last one of us in this room await as well. Believer or unbeliever, see it from Acts chapter 24 and verse 15. It says, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both, what, the just and the unjust. Believers and unbelievers. So everyone, whether you trust Jesus or not, awaits a future resurrection. Some to glory and others to judgment. I know it's really hard for us in the meantime to lose loved ones on this earth. Oh, I know it's hard. I've experienced it recently. We miss being able to call them up on the phone for advice or to visit side by side on the couch as you watch your favorite movie or show or sporting event together. Though it's really hard for all of us, I want to show you that the christian they are doing just fine. They're doing more than fine. And I want to encourage you that so will you be as well. If you are a Christian, if you are found to be in Christ, even in the most difficult time of your life and your family's life, at your passing, if you are found in Christ, you'll be just fine Mike was fine as he was at the precipice of of life and death as he was being handed off into the arms of the Savior. Let that encourage you as well. We're going to be just fine. The Christian will be just fine in light of the vapor of life. The blood of Jesus washing over us with an inheritance that's coming to us because we're adopted and blood-bought. God showed us that he cared for us and that he took care of us by sending his son for us. All that is coming to you, dear Christian. You have that awaiting for you if you're a believer. If you lost somebody, they're experiencing the blessing of that right now. If you lose someone in the future and they're a believer, they're going to be experiencing that then. Do you see how this frames our perspective on life and death? because life is really short as we've seen, and we all have this limited amount of time, we should allow this eternal perspective that we're seeing to frame how we live our lives now. As Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So live right now in light of eternity. Live now in light of the fact that a future resurrection is awaiting you Two, and that a reunion with all of our departed loved ones and any other believers in Jesus Christ that you know who have passed on before them or will pass away after them, including everyone in this room who will also one day breathe our last breath should the Lord tarry, be encouraged by this reality that even in the vapor of life and our pending death, let this Perspective, eternal perspective, transform from a really scary and morbid reality to a glorious, hope giving future for those who are found to be in Christ. I mentioned Mike's notes in his Bible, another one. Right near this note that he made about the perspective in light of hard times in life, he says this. I only see problems from my perspective. God has a much bigger plan for me. God, his comfort always protects us in our suffering. God will always do what is best for me. Words likely written in the months leading up to his death. Oh, that we would have this eternal perspective shaping our lives today. This leads us to our final vapor lesson in number seven. I want us all to cling to the gospel. If you've not yet believed the good news of the gospel yourself, and you're here with us, there's a word here in this sermon for you too. Even if you don't share the same hope and perspective of believers in this room, even if you don't know this biblical view of the fleeting nature of life and the hope that we have, I want to encourage anyone who may not believe that it's not too late for you. Even if you've lived your whole entire life ignoring God, not caring about His Word, not paying much attention to Him in reality, It's never too late this side of heaven. You too can experience heaven's hope and forgiveness of sins if you would just trust in the good news of the gospel. And if you would just lay aside your own self-righteousness and personal self-help programs that you may be following, maybe you're here and you hold to some kind of a personal ethics that you seek to live up before God to make yourself look good to others and to make you feel good about yourself based on your performance and, and ethics and works and you're trusting in that. Or maybe you don't think you're very bad or all that bad off comparing yourself with others. These are the sinners are out there, not in here. I don't have this problem. Everybody else, seems to be really bad off compared to you, but you've never seen yourself as guilty before a holy God and needing a Savior. Maybe that's you. Or maybe, on the other hand, you feel that you are too bad to be forgiven by God. There are people coming from different places in this room and watching online. Maybe you haven't really been really turned to the life-changing reality of the gospel, even if you have gone to church your whole life. Some people go to church, but they're really careless about spiritual things, and their heart hasn't been moved and changed. Church is just kind of a cultural expectation. They go there, they know the things to say, but they've never been converted, they've never been transformed, they've never believed personally the gospel for themselves. Maybe that's you today. But here's the good news for all unbelievers, that every last person on this earth, no matter their philosophy or current way of life, that even though these other pursuits just won't do, your works, your co- comparison game, your own self-loathing and abasement, or, or your own indifference and apathy to spiritual things, even though those things won't do, the good news of the gospel is available to you even in that dark and lost and blind place, wherever you're at. As Romans 4, 4 through 8 says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Notice in that passage that our ethics or works or causes will never bring us fulfillment in this life. Or whatever Version of salvation that people might pursue. We can't earn up and work out happiness and pursue uh, salvation in these ways. Forgiveness doesn't come by our works or doing or thoughts. We can't earn this eternal life on our own. Notice what Paul said there in Romans 4 that it's not those who get their act together or those who do a lot of morally righteous things but those who lay aside their own personal self-salvation projects as one pastor put it and who simply believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough and was for them and could actually save them and give them a future inheritance do you believe that it, Do you trust that? Is that your life? Is that your only hope in life and in death? This is not for good people, for for what we just saw in the passage. It's for ungodly people. Because you realize that's exactly what we all were when we came to Christ. Just a bunch of needy, ungodly sinners needing a powerful, perfect, sinless Savior. You say amen if you're a believer to that reality. And Paul, do you realize, also indicated in 1 Timothy 1.15 that even as a mature believer, he was still sinful and needy before God. And so are all of us. I don't care how mature we are in the Christian life. We could say with the Apostle Paul that we're the chiefest of sinners, right? Because we know our own sins. What does that mean? That means that the gospel is for us our whole entire life, even after we were converted way back when. And if we cling to this gospel as our only hope for any of us and admit that we just cannot help ourselves, which we can't, but that we need a great God who helps helpless sinners, then that means that we experience eternal life. We will in the future and we experience that transformation and eternal life now. Do you know for yourself personally this good news gospel truth in your own experience? Do, do you love your, the God who made you and sense your need of him and live for him? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? If not, maybe God is drawing you even right now this morning. All you have to do is turn from your trust in yourself or your things or other people and place that trust in the secure arms of God who through his son is redeeming people all over the world. Maybe even right now in this room with the gospel reality that saves sinners. Trust Jesus, the only savior. And you too can experience the hope in eternal life that will frame our perspective in this short vapor of a life, a hope that will continue on through your whole life until your very death, and a hope that you will realize in the future after you pass on to be in the presence of our God and Savior for all eternity. Turn to Jesus now. Christians, if you're believing in that, Oh, be encouraged by that now. If you haven't believed in that, oh, would you see that this is your only hope in life and death as well? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that your word speaks to weighty and important and life-changing things. You give us perspective in all the hard things of life, You give us hope in hopeless times. You give us something to live for in a world that has gone crazy in in ways and in a life that can seem unpredictable and discouraging and hard. You're the comfort for weary hearts and souls. You're the savior of sinners. You're sending your son to die for us. Lord, we didn't deserve it but you've provided for us in great ways. Would you cause all of us to turn to you with this perspective to be helped by you? Would you turn hearts of those who have not yet believed towards you so that they too can experience eternal life and the salvation that is oh so good for all of us who taste it? We ask for your help in these things. We ask that you would work in these ways. We say this in Christ's name, amen.